Welcome to our service this morning. We're glad that you are here today. And we welcome you especially because, well, things are a little bit uh, mixed up this morning. And they will be today as far as some pews moved around in preparation for the Whitfield Christian School's Christmas concert that will be going on this coming Thursday night. And so please uh, just excuse the differences today. And when we think about that, our pre-service prayer time today at 5.50, that will be downstairs in the auditorium, not in the fellowship room as we normally have it. So please just remember some of those things in your prayer. Let's begin our worship service today by singing hymn number 90, the Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Let's stand and worship the Lord with this song.
Amen. You may be seated. We thank God for the great truth that is being penned and has been penned in many songs of this nature. And Charles Wesley, the author of this particular hymn that is well known to us, and yet it conveys again the great truth of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus and the great wonder that it is that God became man. And so He continues to be both God and man, two distinct natures in one person forever. And that's a great joy and hope that we have because Christ is our living Savior today. And because He is alive, we have hope in Him and we have joy in Him if we have come to know Him as our Lord and Savior. Let that be the, the prayer of your heart, friend. If you don't know Him, maybe you're listening online today, you've tuned in. Well, our heart is that the gospel of saving grace would touch your heart today, that you would know the joy and the peace of sins forgiven. Just before we come to pray this morning and just commit our service to the Lord, I'd like you to remember, please, our brother Maurice Monier. I just got news yesterday that his dear sister passed away, went home to be with the Lord. She lives in Egypt. So remember our brother at this time, and we pray for him that he will know the comfort of the Lord at this time. Let's bow, please, before the Lord now in prayer. <clears throat> Our loving Father, we bow this morning once more on another Lord's Day morning that You've given to us. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we bow our heads and our hearts. We come, Father, to exalt Thy holy and great name. We come, Father, to Give praise and adoration because of all Your loving kindness and mercies to us, all of which, Lord, we are most undeserving. And yet grace has poured out upon us mercies and blessings and provisions and supply far more than we can even enumerate. Lord, all of those things and all of the material things around us, they pale into complete insignificance, Lord, in light of the wonder of everlasting salvation, the wonder of knowing that our sins have been forgiven, washed away in the precious blood of our Redeemer on Calvary's cross. And so that today we know there is no condemnation against us because we are alive in Christ. We have life and life forevermore. The joy that we possess this morning, Father, is that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we know in our hearts that one day, if Christ comes back and we are still alive, that we will be gathered to meet Him in the air. But if we die, Lord, 
and we will go immediately into your holy presence. It will be our joy and blessing no matter what for all eternity. And so fill our hearts each day with the solid and firm knowledge that we have everlasting life in Jesus our Lord. Father, our burden and prayer is that for those who have heard the message before, maybe for the first time, but the Holy Spirit would work effectually in their hearts and bring them to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus as their own Savior. Lord, hear our prayer. Answer that prayer. Dear Lord, we remember this morning our brother Maurice, and we pray for him that he will know the sweet, enduring, lasting comfort of the Holy Spirit in the loss of his dear sister. Lord, we give thanks that she is with her Lord and Savior now, and that as she is today, soon we will also be there in that place. But we don't know the day or the hour. And Lord, in the meantime, keep us, we pray, in the center of Your perfect will. Keep us from straying away. Keep us serving our God for whatever time we have left. And Lord, we want to honor and praise Your great and holy name. So, hear our prayers. Lord, as we think of all the situations going on around the world, we pray again for the church that is being persecuted in various countries of the world, believers that are incarcerated, troubled on every side because of their faith in Christ. We pray for them. We remember the believers in Gaza today, and we pray for them. We think of the believers, the Christians in Israel. And Lord, we again hold up and earnestly pray that their testimony and witness will be multiplied in this time. We think of those who are not believers yet, and we pray for those in Israel who do not know Christ, that, Lord, You would bring them to the foot of the cross of Jesus. For we know, Lord, Your Word, that there is salvation for that remnant according to the election of grace. And we're thankful, Lord, that the gospel door is still open and souls are still being converted and saved. And Lord, we rejoice in this, and we pray that there would be a great in-gathering, not only in far-off places, but Lord, remember our nation of Canada. Remember us, Lord, for we stand in great need. In many respects, our nations have rejected the gospel. They've rejected the truth of the Word of the Lord. Father, we pray that we as Your people would raise a witness and a light and a standard in these dark days. And Father, it might please You to use us and make use of us to be evangelists, to share our faith and to have the joy of leading souls to Christ. Remember our leaders, O God. Save their souls, we pray. And may their lives be changed. And in the meantime, Restrain them from their evil intentions and their party politics and all the other 
all the other things that go on that are against the Scripture. Lord, step in, we pray, Lord, and make Your arm bare. Reveal Your strength again. So remember all our churches that are endeavoring to be faithful to the gospel. Remember every faithful tongue that is preaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And help us to take our stand in these last of the last days and to do what is right and honorable in Your name. Remember all our sick ones in our congregation. We again commit them, each one, into Your hand. Bless them, we pray. Encourage their hearts. Hear our prayers now, Lord, and bless us as we continue in our worship. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Psalm 34, as we continue in our worship of the Lord, you'll find the psalms at the back of our hymnal, if you would like to use that, or they are on the words behind me on the screen. Let's stand, please, as we worship. ask you to turn now, please, in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. 
And if you don't have your Bible with you, you can use one of those red pew Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. This well-known portion of the Lord's Word, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, as it is known, and many precious and important words and teachings there that are an encouragement for us. But we're going to pick up our reading in chapter 6, reading from verse 22. Actually, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon the world. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I know the Lord will use His Word to bless your heart, encourage your soul. It's always a good thing to pray that the Holy Spirit will stamp and write upon your heart and mind. I pray the same thing in my own heart, that the Lord will do that very thing so that we might grow thereby. We welcome you all in the name of of our Lord Jesus this morning. We're happy that you're here in the Lord's house. Uh, Welcome uh, James and his family. Good to have you folks with us today and uh, others who might be visiting. And those returned again, very happy that you're here in the Lord's house. Do please remember our brother David McAnally in your prayers. The Lord's hand has been upon him. He came through that procedure that he had following the heart attack. And last Monday he 
was that, well, he came home on Tuesday, I think it was, and he's recuperating, watching the sermon online today, the message. And so, David, we're thinking about you and praying for you. The Lord will give you a speedy recovery. Remember, please, other sick ones in our congregation that we hold up continually before the Lord, that God's hand would be upon them. Remember, please, our ministry today. 5.50 is our pre-service prayer time, and it will be downstairs this evening before evening service at 6.30. And then following our time of worship tonight, we will take some time to sing some of your favorite hymns at the end of our evening service. On Wednesday night, we have our Bible study and our prayer time at 7.30. I encourage you to be here and be a part of the ongoing work of the local congregation, the church, as we know we have to go forward by prayer and by the strength and power of the Lord and also to be instructed and taught in the things of His Word. So remember that. And then on Thursday night, we have our... Oh, pardon me, I missed one. That was Tuesday night. Tuesday night, we have our session and board meeting. That will be at 6 and 7.30. And then following that on Thursday evening, our Whitfield Christian Schools Christmas concert. You will notice the card that's in the foyer and we're raising our appeal this year for the Pregnancy Care Center. And if you would like to make an extra contribution toward that, just mark your envelope, and we'll be sure that it goes toward that. And again, as we come near the close of the year, if you have any special or extra offering to give, we might remember the appeal we have for our new bus for the school and for the church, and also the support of our ministerial students. Thankful for those of you who have already contributed to those things, very necessary, and we pray that God will make use of them. Don't forget the sign-up sheet at the back today for our international lunch that we'll be holding on the 24th of December following the morning service. Write down there your name and how many will be coming in your family. Great opportunity to invite your neighbors and friends and family members and visitors that are new today. You're very welcome to come and be a part of us on that, uh, for that lunchtime and fellowship, the Lord's Day afternoon, the 24th. And then following that at 2.30 in the afternoon, we'll be having a praise service, and there will be no evening service on that particular day. Let me remind you also, we have a couple of things that you could use for specific outreach. There's some a greatest gift card that you could include in a card that you might be sending to some friends or family members. There's quite a few on the table. You can take as many as you like. And then also we have some small outreach Bibles. Uh, some of those are very good to put in an envelope, a card, or send out, or just keep in your pocket and use them for outreach. It's a very, very good thing to do. So let's sing again to the Lord's praise, number 93. Number 93. And let's stand as we sing about the Lord again. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home was there found no room for thy holy nativity. Let's stand please to sing.
Turn, please, now in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. Luke 12, we're going to read from verse 22 down to 32. And Jesus said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? Which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye that what ye shall eat and what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Father, as we have your word open before us now, I pray for strength from the Spirit of God to communicate the message of life and truth. And Lord, you would write upon our hearts these things to strengthen our spirits. Give us fresh resolve to be encouraged, to be a light in a dark world, and that we will be able to put in the proper category all the things of this life, and that we will walk by faith and not by sight. So, Lord, strengthen us today, I pray. Give us joy in the Holy Spirit. We ask all these things now 
In the Savior's precious name, amen. Verse 32 of Luke 12 is what I want us to think about today where the Lord Jesus said to His disciples and to His people, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear has many shapes and sizes and forms, and we could say levels of intensity. Some are afraid of heights, and the thought of climbing a ladder or walking maybe on the glass floor at the top of the CN Tower, it sends shivers up the spine even thinking about it. Sometimes our fears may seem rather silly to others, and so we have come up with that term, being scared silly. The word fear, it comes from the Greek word phobos, and it means irrational thoughts that cause anxiety. And so our word phobia comes from that Greek word. Some of the common phobias that people have would be arachnophobia if you're afraid of spiders. Acrophobia, where we get the word acrobat, being afraid of heights. Aerophobia, of flying. Cynophobia, a fear of dogs. Astrophobia, the fear of thunder and of lightning. And trypanophobia, if you're afraid to go to the doctor to get your injection. Agoraphobia is the fear of open spaces, thinking that you have no way to run for cover in the case of an emergency. Claustrophobia is the opposite of that. Your fear of confined spaces. Uh, we could list a lot of those as we go through uh, the different things that people have to be concerned about. Recently, a lady was going out to the church and she pointed out to someone that there is a bug on the wall. And so I said to her, did you take care of that bug? She said, no, I don't do bugs. She's afraid of bugs. How about mice? No, not afraid of mice. So, as that one person has a particular concern about insects and creatures, the other person, it might be completely opposite. They have no problem with the bugs, but not too happy about the mice. Fear and worry and distress, they are all from the same family. They all have a common ancestry. So why is it that we fear? Why is it that we would be afraid? It's connected to our sinful, fallen nature. Before Adam sinned, he did not know fear. He was in perfect peace with all his surroundings and, of course, he was in perfect peace and harmony with God. But when he sinned and he rejected God's oversight in his life, he then hid himself from the face of God. 
he was afraid. Now, being afraid of a spider is not sin. But the origin of that fear can be traced all the way back to a fallen world. We often have fears of the the unknown, unsure how things will turn out in our life, maybe distressed in mind about our future, employment, education, spouse, family. Many things can come into the mind of a person and we can become concerned with them. And the concern is not just on a base level. The concern enters into another level of worry, of concern, of anxiety, and of fear. Wondering where all of our life will fit into God's plan. Concerned about the issues in this world today and how things seem to be spiraling out of control. Has God lost control of this world? Might be sometimes a a thought the devil would put into our minds. Who is this God that you say you are trusting in? Look all around you. It seems that things are in chaos. And so the devil comes to plant the seeds of fear, and sometimes they start off very simple, but maybe they can grow very quickly to things that are much more serious of greater concern, even within the family, mothers and fathers, afraid and fearful for their children. Are they saved? If they have professed faith, was it genuine? If they professed faith, and yet they seem to have fallen away from the Lord, what will the end be for them? Will their life end up in disaster? Will they dishonor the Lord? Those fears and those concerns are very real. And then we bring that back and point it to ourselves. And are we going to be able to finish the course? Are we going to be able to keep on in the center of God's will, fulfilling the purpose that God has for us in our life? Because you look around, you can see others much bigger, greater, wiser, mightier than I am. They've fallen by the wayside. And then you wonder, what hope is there for a person like me? And so, yes, what if I deny the Lord, fall into some great sin, and dishonor my Savior? Those are real concerns. Maybe sometimes we feel like Jeremiah who expressed, For I heard the defaming of many, fear on every side. Jeremiah was under an attack by the people at the time when he made that statement. He heard the defaming of many. He heard not only people turning away from God and maybe cursing the name of God, but he also had the tax attacks coming against him. Many people were against God's servant, defaming him. And he had to say that fear was on every side. This is the great prophet Jeremiah. And so, yes, friends, many people 
can go through stages, circumstances, situations of fear in their life. And to a heart that is heavy with such thoughts, I want to say to you today that the Lord comes with great words of comfort for us. Back in the book of Genesis, when Abram, God's servant who had been called out of Ur of the Chaldees and was going to be God's servant to lead the way at the beginning of the nation of Israel in that sense. And what did God say to him in Genesis 15:1? Fear not, Abram. Abram was full of fear. And yet God said to him, Don't be afraid, Abram. And why? I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. God said to Joshua as he took over from Moses, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Joshua had a few reasons to be afraid. Look at all the Canaanites in the land. Iron chariots, walled cities, all the reasons why those ten spies said, we cannot go into this land and take this enemy. Joshua and Caleb, though faithful by God's grace, and God was saying to His servant, I am with you. Do not be afraid of the face of them. In Isaiah 43 and verse 1, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Oh, what great wonder there is in those words. What comfort. My, when the Lord says to us, don't be afraid. You belong to me, and I have a hold of you. And the devil is not going to be able to put his hand upon you. So often when God's people have been overcome with fear, the Lord speaks to our hearts with peace and stillness. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not afraid, for I am thy God. Often the first words that came out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus when His disciples were paralyzed with terror because of the unknown, He said to them, Fear not. And with those words, all became very calm and still. And maybe the Lord's going to whisper that into your ear, into your circumstance just now in your life. Fear not. Yes, and we have such words of comfort in this verse before us in Luke 12, 32. Fear not, Jesus said, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I pray that this Word will be written on our hearts and our minds. And that we will not fear, but rather be filled with the hope 
and the expectation that has been given to us by God's promises and the Word that we have, God that cannot lie, He has told us what He will do. Our Father in heaven is watching over us at every moment. The first thing I leave with you is this. The great truth of a reason why we should not fear is that we belong to our Father in heaven. To be a part of the flock of the great shepherd is not only a good reason not to fear, it is the greatest reason not to fear. In Psalm 79, verse 13, it says, So we thy people and the sheep of thy pasture, and we will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. And again in Psalm 100 and verse 2, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves, We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. God is the Creator of all things. And specifically, He has created us for Himself. He has redeemed us so that we might be His servants, His people to serve Him. And when we think about the redemption of God, we are a chosen flock unto our God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. These words are good to emphasize to our own hearts over and over again, and to pray over them. And as we bring them before the Lord, we can rejoice and say, O God, Your eternal purposes have been revealed in my own heart, and I know that I belong to You. I am the possession of the eternal God, and because I am His possession, He has chosen me before the foundation of the world. Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 It says, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. Yes, the people of God, God's chosen flock, we are the ones that make up His great bounty and the body of Christ, a holy nation unto Him. And the Lord has purchased us with so great a cost. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20, Paul said to that group of believers in Corinth, for we are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And what a great truth that is. The Lord has purchased us, and in so doing, we belong to Him. We are His possession. And my dear believing friend today, brothers and sisters, that truth is one to calm your mind and still your heart. It's like the words that Jesus spoke when the storm was very rough. He said, peace, be still, and everything became a calm. 
And so in our minds and lives when the waves are moving up and down and it seems that there's going to be disaster, our, our ship's going to be overturned and we're going to be lost. The Lord comes and speaks to us, You are My possession. I have purchased you. Take heed, Paul said to the Ephesian elders, Therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which He hath purchased with His own blood. The redemption of God to His people. The cost of the atoning blood of Calvary's cross. And when Jesus shed His blood for us, He paid that price. He made that atonement. And He purchased us. He redeemed us. He bought us from the slave market of our sin. And because of that today, friends, we are a purchase, the purchased possession of our great God and Savior. And how did our Lord do this? He washed us by His own precious blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. In Revelation 1 and verse 5, we have these words, "...unto Him that loved us and washed us from our sin in His own blood." I feel very sorry for those people who don't grasp the atonement of our Lord Jesus and the value of the blood of Christ. Some are in ignorance, that is true, and others are outrightly God-deniers. And for those who are in ignorance, it's not until they come to the full knowledge that indeed Christ has made atonement, the just for the unjust. He came in between us and God, and He took the hand of God and the hand of man, and He joined us through Himself and it's because of that great washing that took place on Calvary that we today are clean. And so that when God the Father looks upon us and sees us through the finished work of His only begotten Son, He looks upon us and He sees us as righteous in His sight. Not for any good that we have done. Not for anything that we could attain. We can't present anything to God for our justification. No. We only have friends today. and We have everything as we know we have been washed by the blood of Christ. And today, we are clean. The hymn writer put it well, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And when we think about the ownership that God has of us, that we have been purchased and washed in the blood of Christ, we are also uniquely marked. We're uniquely marked. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19, it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, that the Lord knoweth them that are His, this is an identification declaring ownership. And the Lord has set His seal upon our hearts. He has set a seal upon our lives. 
And because that seal has been there, and because the imputation of Christ's righteousness has been placed upon my account, and now I am seen before our God as being righteous and holy, that stamp of divine ownership is there. And it will never be taken away. We have and we are being held in the hand of our Heavenly Father. And Christ said that no power, no one is able to pluck us out of His hand. He is holding on to you today, friend. Now I belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. And our Father, He values our relationship today because He is our Father in heaven. Whenever you're going through a dark time in your day, your month, or maybe some extended period, believer, come back to this foundation in your own heart and know that God holds on to you and He will never let you go. You are saved in time and for all eternity. And because Christ has made atonement for our sin, we will never be lost. We will never be unsaved once we have come to true faith in Christ. Not only do we belong to our Father, but we can also add that we are precious to our Father in heaven. The Lord Jesus said, Fear not, little flock. The fact that God refers to His people as a little flock, it indicates our weakness, as if that has to be pointed out to us. But yeah, sometimes it does. Because we can go along in our life and we can accomplish certain things. And maybe we begin to think, I can handle this load on my own. I can go through life. I don't need, as much as we wouldn't say it openly, you might think I can just handle this on my own. But the Lord knows our weakness. He knows our frame. And He remembers that we are dust. And so, believer, I say today, this great thanksgiving that we can have is realizing that we are precious in the eyes of our Father. He looks upon us as His little flock. We are in weakness and maybe in our frailty. Human life is very frail. A small knock on the head and that can be the end of life. Our life really hangs by a thread when you think about it. At any moment, traveling on the 401, which is dangerous enough at any time, but going at 60, 70 miles an hour, you're a split second away from a horrendous disaster and death. And it happens every day on our roads. We are very frail creatures. And in our life, the devil would sometimes uh, puff us up to think that we are strong in self. Maybe you have good health today. You thank God for that. 
and you rejoice that you have a measure of good health. But friend, don't boast in your good health. Don't boast in your personal strength. Because at any moment, that can change. And you do not know what a day brings forth. We are weak and frail creatures. And to acknowledge and realize that weakness, it will lean us more upon the dependence of our God. We are precious in His sight. The Lord, of course, knows all of the weakness that we are. He knows our weak frame. But as Christians, in this God-hating world, we are outnumbered. The Lord Jesus said that the gate of heaven is a narrow gate and few there be that find it. When we think about that and that parable, that illustration that Jesus told, we look around the world today and countries. Sometimes there is a reviving work by the Spirit of God, and there might be an advancement of the church locally, and there is growth and increase. We rejoice in that. We're thankful for that. But when you look at the work of God those that are faithful to the Word of God, those who are faithful to the Scripture, faithful to Christ, our numbers are relatively small, friend. And the Lord has and always will maintain a remnant of true God-fearing people in every age. But very often it is just that. It's a remnant. It's a small number. We seem to be outnumbered on every hand. But when we think about ourselves being precious in the eyes of the Lord, one with the Lord is a majority. And God will use the small numbers to do great things for Him. He will use the 300 in the day of Gideon to defeat the whole Midianitish army. Of course, God did the work there. They had to just stand and break their lamps, let the light shine out and shout and the Lord did the rest. They operated by faith and obedience. The Lord often takes the small numbers of people who are dependent upon Him, who are resting upon Him to do His work and His ministry. Therefore, let us not be discouraged. Let us realize that because the Lord holds us as precious in His sight, we are His little flock, and He tends to that little flock. He takes care of His people. We are the body of our Redeemer. The sad thing about us as Christians is that we are precious in the eyes of the Lord, but we're also prone to wander. We do tend to stray. We're like silly sheep. And if the Lord is not watching over us continually, we're prone to be led away. The devil puts a carrot in front of us, and the carrot makes us drift off into another area. Maybe it's an area of danger, an area of sin. Friend, those are always problems that we have to be mindful of in our day. Don't listen to the blandishments of the devil as he puts forward his temptations but rather be strong in the Lord and take hold of the shield of faith wherewith we will be able to stop all the fiery darts and arrows of the devil. 
Yes, we are prone to wander, and therefore we need to stay close to the Lord, for we are precious to Him. And yet the defenses that we have in ourselves, they are very, very weak, if nothing. But the Lord has given to us His armor, and the armor that we have of the sword of the Spirit that we might be able to take the Word of God We don't lift up the material or elemental weaponry of our day. We don't take up those types of swords and armament. We hold up the sword of the Spirit of God, the Word of the living God. And that is our great defense. Because the Lord holds us precious, He has given to us those defenses, but He wants us to ultimately, completely, and totally rely upon Him. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, the Lord said through Moses, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto Himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest in number. But because the Lord loved you, and because... He would keep His oath which He had sworn unto your fathers. Hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt? Know ye therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. The Lord's hand is upon His people. We are His special treasure. Ah, friends, today, think of the reasons why we as a little flock do not have to fear. But notice also, we have a great inheritance from our Father. The Lord Jesus said, Your Father's good pleasure it is to give you the kingdom. And notice that the kingdom will not be conquered in that sense by us. It is a given thing from the Lord. Our Father delights to give us all things richly to enjoy. He has provided for every need that we have, and He delights to do so. He gives to us bountifully. The Lord Jesus said, If you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, and every parent does who loves his children, they give all the supplies that are necessary for life and sustenance. How much more does our Heavenly Father give us of the things that we have need of and of His Spirit abundantly? We have so many blessings that we cannot add them up. And beyond the temporal things, our Father has so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son to save us from our sin. We have been saved by His grace. 
We have been washed in His own precious blood. We have been forgiven of our sin and promised a home in heaven. But that's not all, friend. For the kingdom also is ours. We are heirs of God and we are joint heirs with Christ. And all that the Father in heaven has given to His only begotten Son, we are heirs with Christ in all of those blessings. And therefore, we cannot begin to enumerate what that means for the Father has given to us His kingdom. Ah, believer, you are rich today. Never mind the dollars and the gold of this world. We are rich in Christ. We are rich in our inheritance. We are rich in the freedom and forgiveness of sins that we have. For our Christ is everything to us. We have a great inheritance from our God. And one final thing I'll leave with you today. We are protected by our Heavenly Father. Well, that, that just seems to go to make sense, doesn't it? If the Lord is cherishing His little flock, if He is providing and He's tending and He knows us and He's given us the kingdom, His people, well, of course, we know we have the protection of our Father. God is in control of all things. We don't argue that point. And our Lord knows our weaknesses. We know that is true. And our Heavenly Father is concerned with our peace. Our God is the sovereign ruler of all kingdoms. And even when it appears that Satan is sweeping away all decency and all truth and all righteousness in the world, let's remember this great fact that the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And because our Lord is the sovereign Lord, He is not in despair about what's going on in the world today. The Lord is in complete control. And believer, rest in that truth this day. And in light of all this, and I conclude with this, the Lord speaks a word of great comfort to our hearts today. He says, fear not, little flock. Don't be afraid of Satan. He is a defeated enemy. Satan has no power in the life of a Christian. We are possessed by the Holy Spirit, and Satan cannot possess a true follower of Christ. Rejoice in that today. That's a great truth. Now, someone might be thinking, well, wait a minute, I thought the devil brings temptations to our minds. There is no doubt Suggestions can be made. Temptations may be set in front of us. But the devil is not the one that makes us sin. He cannot do that. We sin because of our own fallen nature. We dishonor the Lord because of the weakness of our own flesh and the battle that will continue until the day we die. But Satan is defeated. And let us not think for a moment that we need to worry about that aspect. Let's not fear death. No one 
in their right mind looks forward to die, and we don't perhaps rejoice in the manner of our death. We can be afraid of those things. Those are real and normal things because the Lord puts within us a spirit of self-preservation. But we should rather look forward to embrace death because we know it's going to be but a stepping stone into eternity with our God. And therefore, the great enemy of death has been defeated. Christ has defeated that in His crucifixion and His resurrection. Let us not be afraid of failure. And immediately you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. I know my own weak heart, and I'm afraid that I'm going to disappoint the Lord. Well, believer, bring that very concern of our failure before the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I depend that You must keep me because, Lord, if You don't keep me, I will certainly drift away. So pray that the Lord will keep a very tight rein upon us as His people and that He will put a hedge around us. We will pray as David prayed, Lord, encamp around Your people. Set a high wall around us. We do not want to disappoint. We don't want to fail. Keep us, Lord, we pray. And let us always remember, believer, that His eye is on the sparrow. And I know He's watching me. Isn't that the theme of Matthew 6 and indeed of Luke 12? The Lord says, all the things in the world and all my creations, these creatures don't have storehouses. They don't have ways to amass great goods. But the Lord takes care of them every day. He takes care of what they have need of. He clothes them. He clothes the grass of the field and all of the beauty of the flowers and of creation. And the Lord said, they are soon to be grown up and wither or burned in the fire. And you are more valuable, more precious than all of these things. Therefore, let us be encouraged in this great truth and let us be still and calm and press forward knowing that our Lord holds us in His hand. And we are of great value. We are of far greater value than all the other things around us. We are precious to our Father in heaven. Believer today, rejoice in that truth that you are precious to Him and that we might be able to go this day with this truth and this Scripture in our hearts and we will go on from strength to strength and rejoice in Him. We're going to close our service today by singing hymn number 611. It's a great hymn by William Cushing. Under His wings I am safely abiding. Though the night deepens and tempests are wild, still I can trust Him I know He will keep me, for He has redeemed me, and I am His child. Let's stand and sing.
Lord, write your word upon our heart today. It is a simple truth, yet, Lord, it is so profound. And I pray that we will be strengthened with might in the inner man, that we will grow day by day, staying very close to the Scripture, to our Savior, directed and guided, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, part us now in your fear with your great blessing. Hear our prayer. Keep us in the Spirit on the Lord's day, we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen.